Hey babes, it's me, uh, Kevin G, and we're back for another episode of A Tiny Revolution. So glad to have you here. This is an episode um, that is with one of my internet friends who turned into a real life friend who I think you're really going to enjoy. Um, it's my friend Jonathan Parks Ramage. Ramage. You'll, t- you'll hear me get into like why I can't fucking pronounce his name or remember how to spell it ever in, uh, in the conversation. But before we get into that, I've got some huge news for everyone. I am going on tour and hopefully near a city near you. Um, we're calling it the Wonder Fully Made Tour. And there's a comma after wonder. So like because this is a podcast, you can't read it. But um, if you went, uh, if you've known me for a while, that's one of like my favorite ways of talking about spirituality, about what does it mean to be in wonder. So in cities across the United States, I am going to be talking with some of my best Judys and good girlfriends and boyfriends and non-binary pals about all of the incredible ways to see wonder, both in ourselves and in the world around us. Um, so yeah, it's not a strictly Christian event because I'm not strictly Christian and it's going to be featuring post-Christians, atheists, Muslim folks, queer folks, straight folks, uh, black folks, white folks, Asian folks. Like I'm really trying to run the gamut and every single event is going to be a little bit different because it's going to be featuring different speakers every single time. So no two events are going to be the same. But they're all going to be tied together by that question. Um, After my friends talk, I'm going to talk. I'm going to share some ideas, some practices, and then we're just going to hang out with one another because I believe that healing and friendship happen hand in hand. So um, get stoked about that. You can go to thekevingarcia.com and I'll have all the information there. Tickets are going on sale probably... Uh, probably later later this week, maybe next week, sometime very soon. But either way, I am so stoked for this tour. It's going to be featuring my friends like Sarah Heath, who does my other podcast, Your Favorite Ants, Brenda Marie Davies, who is behind God is Gray, um, the Dirty Rotten Church kid down in Florida, uh, my friends Vila Bianca and Britt Barron in Austin, Texas. Um, so many incredible humans, and I want you to be there and be a part of it. So... Again, thekevingarcia.com. Check that out. And on top of that, I've got merch. New merch right now. Um, and you can save 15% off by using the code MERCHDROP15. Um, it's really cute shit. And if you spend 50 bucks or more, you'll automatically get 20% off. So that's at thekevingarcia.com slash merch. Okay, anything else? Um, Summer Cohort Coven is coming together soon. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. And... Wow. Uh, Oh, last thing. Okay, and then we'll get to the introduction. I am doing a collaboration with Beloved Arise. And if you don't know them, they are a LGBTQ affirming youth group that meets online and all over the world. They are one of the only spaces out there that is strategically creating space for queer youth of faith to find belonging and expression and healing. And I have had the opportunity to serve with them so much and I, I love and love 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 these kids and uh, one of the things we're partnering on is the launch of Serenade the new album which is literally a love letter to queer youth of faith the world over and as a former queer youth um, or just a former youth still queer obviously <laughs> um, 
this music is so healing and so beautiful. So I am creating a uh, a podcast series, a special series that's going to coming out right here on a tiny revolution, featuring the artists from that album. If you could please do me a favor, in the description right now, go and save pre-save both uh, the Spotify link and the Apple Music link and start spreading this around. This is gonna be huge, this is gonna be healing, and I want so many people to be a part of it. If you keep your eyes peeled to my social media, we are going to be creating a queer youth of faith, kind of a volunteer, like hype social media crew. So if that's something that is for you and you wanna help queer youth of faith by using your platform, even if it's not that huge, word of mouth is what works, baby. It's the same, you know, just like the gospel. People are more likely to believe it if it comes from you. (laughs) Are you triggered? I certainly am. Anyways, that's all the things. Going on tour, new merch, summer cohort coven, the collaboration with Beloved Arise. Those are my four big things right now. Oh, and I'm going to be preaching or teaching on the online church conference happening June 9th. 11 a.m. is my session, so please go check that out. Again, links are in the descriptions. Um, What else is going on? We've got... Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the collaboration with Beloved Rise. Please go follow them. Links are in the bio. Links are in the show notes. Wow, so much is going on, but we love it. All right, now that I've talked your ear off for about five minutes, because I know you wanted to know all the things, let me tell you about my friend Jonathan Parks Ramage. Ramage. Jean is a London, he's a Los Angeles based novelist, screenwriter and journalist. His debut novel, which we're talking about today on the show is called Yes Daddy. And it's going to be published by Houghton Milfin Harcourt on May 18th. It's very, very exciting. Um, And fun fact, Amazon Studios is currently adapting the book for television, bitch. Yes, come on, boy. Uh, His... Uh, writing has been wa- light, like seen all over the place. Vice, Slate, Out Magazine, W Magazine, Atlas, Obscura, L, and Medium. He's lectured on journalism and creative nonfiction at Fordham University and is an alumnus uh, of the 28 and 2019 Breadloaf Writers Conferences. Jonathan and his screenwriting partner, Marla Mendel, recently sold their musical feature film screenplay, The Big Gay Jamboree, to Paramount Pictures. The film is executive produced by Academy Award-winning nominated actress Margaret Robbie. Under Lucky Chat production banner, the duo has also sold television pilots to ABC and Pop TV. And on top of that, Jonathan is a queer person of faith who grew up uh, in worlds very similar to yours and mine. And in the book, he explores a lot of these really interested interesting excuse me really interesting very weird very niche things that aren't always seen out in mainstream culture like queer faith of any kind is still not really that mainstream right faith like you know any faith that's outside of the uh, the mainstream is <laughs> outside of the mainstream it's just not well known there's like people don't understand that there's multiple ways to be a person of faith and i love that's what jonathan really does well so um, and by does really well, I mean he embodies that really well. So please grab yourself a drink of whatever you prefer. Tune in, lay back, and enjoy this conversation with my friend, Jonathan Parks Ramage. Jonathan Parks Rampage. I know it's Ramage. 
But I thought it was Rampage the first time I read your name, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I mean, I wish it was Rampage, if only. Yeah. It's actually just Ramage, like damage with an R. Just Ramage. Parks yeah, Ramage. Yeah, exactly. It's the most boring possible pronunciation. But, but you, we can make it French today. Ramage. Yes. Ramage. Yeah. Ramage. Yeah. Parks Ramage. <laughs> uh, I am thrilled that we get to hang out and talk today. Um, and also, True. thank you for thinking of me as somebody to like send in a, a cool ass advanced copy of your book. Like, oh it feels God, real are neat. You kidding? You were literally in the very first list that I came up with. Oh it's my fun. God. It'd be good to get you a copy. Yeah, because it was like, I had no idea what to expect when getting the book because anything a i'm like i don't read a lot of fiction um because just my brain is like continuously in the book so like that was a an adjustment for me to just be like kevin sit down and enjoy a plot you know (laughs) um yeah and i did really enjoy it like there was you know the delightful religious undertones and like the tear like the last two chapters what the fuck dude Like, I'm not going to spoil it for the kids, but like, I was like, oh my God, in the church, in the community. (laughs) Oh my God, it was good. So before we hop into, I don't want to talk about the book first. Let's talk about you first real quick. Who are you? What the fuck do you do? What's your thing? When you, how how are you going to introduce yourself at the first circuit party? Just kidding. Uh, At the first (laughs) cocktail party that you're going to go to. Oh my god, I'm so looking forward to the first cocktail party. Um, Jonathan Parks Ramage. I am a journalist, a novelist, a screenwriter, a lover of good people. Um, S'mores are my favorite food. And that pretty much, I think, sums it up. Mm -hmm. You've been doing writing and things. How long has been writing paying your bills for? Oh, I've been paying the bills for about the last four years. Um, Excuse me, I'll turn off my notifications. I'm sorry. It's no, embarrassing. <laughs> um, no, I've been writing um, for about the past, I'd say like full time for about the past four years or so. Um, it's interesting. I... Um, came out to Los Angeles and I started writing like a lot of first started kind of started out by writing a lot of personal essays. And Mm. then I was like, I'm done just shelling out my life on the internet for (laughs) clicks. Like it felt like a little bit tiring to constantly use yourself, um, you know, your own story. So I, I, I really wanted to, and also I was like, I am interested in, um, telling other people's stories and supporting mm-hmm. other people. Um, so I really became interested in, in more reporting um, and reporting within the communities that I was a part of and that I cared about. Um, and so, you know, I really did a lot of reporting around various LGBTQ issues, queer and Christian issues, issues around the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of, of work with you know social justice groups advocates 
activists, um, people mm -hmm. in that realm. Um, and then I, um, basically while I was doing all that, I started writing this book. Um, and so I was writing this book, also reporting uh, uh, full time and you know, I eventually sold the book and then I kind of stopped reporting for the next two years so I could really kind of focus on this book. But mm -hmm. I kind of view the book as an extension of a lot of the questions I was exploring in mm -hmm. my journalism in terms of LGBTQ rights, you know, issues that affect our community, issues that affect the queer Christian community. Um, mm -hmm. And so it felt like this book, although I was taking a step away from journalism to do fiction, it felt like I was asking a lot of the the same questions that I had been in the real world, and mm -hmm. hopefully reaching people in a different kind of way through mm -hmm. through fiction. Yeah, this wasn't the first um, like queer Christian novel that I've read, or not that this book is like explicitly a queer Christian novel. It's just like right. the you know the protagonist happens to have a faith background. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, I gotta say, there's really something about being able to see yourself in the writing that it, it feels fresh and and I don't I don't you know it shouldn't feel fresh at this point I guess but like it's just like you know there still is not a whole lot of you know books that center queer characters that are mainstream or even like catching the eye um, of folks like you know with you know, maybe call me by your name and then they're going to hire two straight actors to play. What the fuck? <laughs> still bitter. I so just promise me, bitter. so just promise, promise me when you make this into a movie that the homosexuals will get to, will get a, will get a crack at it. I am promising you here and now. Also in Call Me By Your Name, it was just like, it bothered me that it was a book that was all about sex and yet they like literally pan away to the moon before they actually have any sex. I'm like, this is about a sexual awakening. What's literally happening in this movie? But although I did love the movie, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Whole separate podcast, honey. I could talk for hours. Listen, we'll come back for another one and we'll just be like complaints with, with Jonathan. These <laughs> are my complaints. I love the new Lil Nas X, Call Me By Your Name. Dude, okay. I've been talking about this nonstop with people because... And I also just made a video that I'm uploading for the YouTubes tomorrow because Christians are big mad. They're, They're so, so mad. <laughs> I have to say, this is sorry, this is such a sidebar, but I was like, no, please. Shook. I was deceased. I was then brought back to life. Like when he drops down the stripper pole to hell and then gives Satan a lap dance, I literally, it takes a lot to surprise me. I truly clutched my own pearls in a way I have not clutched them. Like when. <laughs> and then also just like Satan doesn't have any sort of facial expression the entire time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this just feels, this is, oh my gosh, is this is what it says? Is this a dungeon? Are we in a dungeon? Is this how it works? I'm scared and turned on. I don't know. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Anyway, so it's huge sidebar, but you know, I think that I did want to represent you know, a queer experience. I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of intersecting queer experiences that I think mm -hmm. this book um, yeah. you know, covers. I think that, you know, it was important for me to show, you know, kind of sexual assault and the way mm -hmm. it manifests within 
the LGBTQ community, obviously, specifically for Mm -hmm. gay men um, in this Mm -hmm. book. Um, But it was also really important. You know, I felt like I wanted to incorporate someone who came from an evangelical background into a narrative that wasn't like you're saying, like a specifically Christian, quote unquote, branded book, but that their identity as a Christian Mm -hmm. was an integral part of their character and who they were. Um, Because I also agree, I want to see more stories like this in pop culture because there's still such deep pain for so many queer people. Even the ones who don't like associate with religion at all anymore, who just, they had a clean break and moved on. There's a lot of unresolved pain and hurt because like I, it happens to me all the time. People hear that you're even like, the slightest bit religious. Let me tell you about the church that kicked me out when I was 14, which I want to yeah. hear about that. And also that's too common of a story. Yeah, it's too common of a story. And I think that people don't, even though increasingly we're getting another story, which is becoming common, which is mm. people reclaiming their faith, whether they're reclaiming Christianity or whether they're moving into a different faith or redefining faith, but that faith, can be something that is not just for heterosexual people. Faith can Mm -hmm. be something for queer people. And it is, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, we're getting a lot of advanced, like, you know, before the lead up to a book, the book is out May 18th, but before the lead up to a book, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, behind the scenes marketing and PR stuff that's done. And there's kind of like a, you know, a word of mouth campaign that builds among like influential Mm -hmm. people in the book world. And, I've been seeing like the comments from various people who've had advanced copies and there've been so many wonderful people who've had such, you know, uh, have had such resonance with the narrative. But Mm -hmm. one thing which I didn't even think would be controversial was, I mean, no spoilers, but there is a character Mm -hmm. in the book who, you know, comes from an evangelical background and, and there is a reclaiming of, Mm -hmm his own spirituality and it's and it's very it's it's a very kind of nascent reclaiming it's it's a very you know the beginning of questioning what reclaiming even looks like Mm -hmm. that has been hugely controversial people are oh so is it because people again no spoilers they see that scene and it's like well i didn't do that yeah and and like just the idea like well i mean i guess i could see why you would do that but you know I, I hated the religion part of it, like that part of the religion. Yeah. Like, and it's so interesting. interesting. I feel like it's, I, I feel like it's really, but I actually am encouraged at least by that response that it's mm-hmm. popping up. And then some people are like, oh, wow, I never even thought that this was a possibility right. for queer people and Christians. And then there are also some queer people who come from evangelical backgrounds who that resonates deeply with, mm-hmm. who that's deeply moving for. So I do think hopefully that the book can also create a dialogue around mm-hmm. kind of that reclamation. Because I, I think that that's still something that there's just this gay people in the church. It's just like this idea that the two shall never mm-hmm. meet still. Shall so never touch. People. Yeah, and exactly. yeah, we, we, you and I both know that is far from the case. And in fact, like the best kind of like delightful Christian communities happen to have queer people at the helm. Yes, precisely. And I mean, like, I don't call myself a Christian anymore. Uh, I mean, I'll say it this way. I still go to a church. I still lead worship. 
I just don't call myself a Christian. So like riddle me that. I don't know. Cause like the question <laughs> then becomes like, you know, the question beyond that, just like, it's like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean? And I think like if, if the, it's very interesting to me when people will like read something and they say like, well, I, I hated this because it made me uncomfortable. And it's like, I'm wondering at any time, like I have the theory, like if something causes, disturbs me, if something yes. like causes me, it's like, that means that it knocked me off my center, my cool. Like what is, what is threatening me in yeah. this thing? And then it's to recognize that the thing that triggered me is, is simply that it's a trigger, but it's from the past. Yeah. You know, all these things that still hurt me about the church. It's, I think it's like, was really evident when like the Pope recently said, oh, you know, you know, we can't honor sin in same sex relationships and, and gay marriage. And a lot of people had a visceral reaction to it, even though they have no ties to Catholicism whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's just one of the reasons why I think it was important to me to mm -hmm. have this character who, you know, is going on a journey that involves a lot of kind of intersecting aspects of his, his identity, but to mm -hmm. have that kind of queer Christian identity really be a thread that's running through it felt important to me, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to involve that and to, to make that a part of the dialogue and to push up against the resistance mm -hmm. from queer people. Yeah. Um, like the, the resistance from queer people towards any sort of faith tradition, anything yeah, that looks exactly. like. Mm. Cause that's, yeah. I, I find that like when I'm working with people too, like, the thing that so many people like, you know, they don't associate with, with the church, but like you get within 40 feet of it and it's almost like their, their spidey senses tingle. And it's like, what does it look like to heal that? This is a way, not, not the way it's, I was like, it's like, you know, see, everything is descriptive and not prescriptive and you will be less offended. I think. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I love that you don't call yourself a Christian. I don't know that I would call myself a Christian either. Although I also go to, <laughs> church right I find that there's something that's been very healing for me about mm. going to new abbey which is church obviously i go to which you know right um, lovely church in pasadena i can't wait for in-person services to oh. resume <laughs> oh my god you and me both but i think what's healing for me about that community is that it is a place where i'm like able to really explore and ask questions but also doubt and mm -hmm. not be forced into an identity as a Christian. I can go to that space. I can find the way that they speak about the Bible, mm -hmm. this kind of incredible, yeah. in ways which really resonate with me. Does that make me a Christian? I don't know. That's something that I'm still questioning, but I know that I find healing and power in that mm -hmm. community and the ways in which they approach the Bible, which feel grounded in a place of, you know, social justice, but also doubt that there's room for doubt, that there's room for questions, yeah. that that's a part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. When you were working, so like, not to like veer off from your book, but just because I am curious a little bit, like yeah. when you were working through your own coming out journey along with your faith, like, d did you take a break from religion, going to church or like faith in general, or was it always just kind of there for you? Um, no, I mean, so I came out in eighth grade. 
She was an Wow, a bold woman. <laughs> She's like, oh bitch, I am here. You I will see me. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was the most awkward eighth grader at a very conservative prep school. Oh, can't like honestly cannot imagine. Bullied every day. Damn. Didn't love that. No. Um, I was a but I was a preacher's kid. Um, mm. which adds a different layer. My parents were um, both actually affirming, so accepting of my sexuality. However, we were, they were, my dad was the minister at this very small town church in Whiteville, mm -hmm. which was like, not, I mean, you didn't talk about gay people. Yeah, it just wasn't, it was out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, Whitensville, Massachusetts, it was as small and as white and as conservative as it sounds. So it was not really the setting as like an eighth grader for me. I mean, I don't know. It was very complicated because my family was supportive, but they were also like, we don't think that we should tell anyone in church. Mm -hmm. about because you're going to get hurt. Because you're going to get hurt. And also, I mean, their jobs could potentially have been threatened. Fake. Yeah, because I, I think that they were just worried. And it was such a young age. And I mean, you know, people who are not inclined to accept you are especially not going to accept you when you're, you know, 13 years old coming out as a kid. Yeah, because so, what do you know? You've never had a sexual experience ever. How could you possibly know? Yeah, so I mean, I understand why my parents were like, we we want to keep this separate from the church and we don't mm -hmm. want to tell anyone in the church. But then... I think because of that, it was just like, boom, I was done with church. They're like, you don't have to go to church anymore. Like, it was just wow. like, it, so it was just like, and my parents have like never really pushed belief. They're both very thoughtful people and I, and I love them both, but you know, it was, it was like basically this break and it was just like, and it's such break, a young age too. Yeah. And so, so it was just kind of like, then I just kind of, I think put that away in a box and I was like, well, that's Not done. For me. Yeah, that's done. I'm never going to think re about religion again, even though both my parents are ministers. You know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I, really I do. do. I really <laughs> do. And so it was this weird kind of thing. And then, you know, I was telling you about my work as a journalist and you know, I was, I was doing all, I was doing, I was starting to do kind of longer form reported pieces, which also had kind of like a heavy mm -hmm. personal element to them. And um, I, there is this church in Los Angeles called Reality LA, which is this evangelical. Mega, bega, baby. Mega, bega, uh, Jojo Ness, uh, you know. Jojo, no, Jojo Siwa. They don't welcome Jojo Siwa's kind because she's on our team now, baby. <laughs> Jojo Siwa came to the right side, the bright side. Um, yeah, so it, it was, that was, that was the journey. And so I did this, I wanted to do this long form piece about, you know, because I knew that they were obviously evangelical. And I was like, well, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, going to do immersive journalism. I'm going to do this gotcha piece about like, how they're homophobic and they mm -hmm. are against abortion and all this stuff. And then I get into the church. And I mean, I, I told the pastor, like, very, I was like, I'm a gay man. Like, I have questions about all this. He loved that and was like, yeah, come on in. They always <laughs> love a curious gay. 
And they I really mean, love a curious gay more than anything. But what I was shocked by was how unmoored by that experience. Because I spent about six months going to service. How unmoored you were or how unmoored they how were? How unmoored I was. Interesting. They were not unmoored at all. I mean, I went to services. I went to small groups. I went to workshops. Um, I had multiple meetings with the head pastor. Damn. It was... Um, a very intense experience because I found myself <sighs> being drawn to this thing that I had for so long put away in a box and didn't think that mattered to my life. But I was mm-hmm. being drawn to it in this obviously very toxic evangelical environment, but mm-hmm. with these people who were all smart and passionate and sweet and welcoming and and also fucking muffins for their small yeah. groups and also just you just can't have gay sex and so it was this kind of like very disconcerting experience and i wrote this very long piece about the experience and kind of all the feelings that it drug up within me both personally mm-hmm. but then it was also reported you know interwoven stories of people in the congregation and um, the, it was just the response was also kind of like all over the map. I mean, I definitely did not walk away being like, I'm going to be a member of Reality LA, but it was like, I am now questioning my own spirituality and kind of mm-hmm. ended on this question. And which I did, I was so terrified about how it would be responded to by this church. And they loved it. And it got so much traction within evangelical circles in a way that like really disturbed me. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, you got, I literally, there's a line in the piece where I say their version of how they deal with gay people is more insidious than the Westboro Baptist Church because at least in the Westboro Baptist Church, they're holding signs that say God hates fags. But here, they're literally welcoming you in and then telling you you can't be who you are. Like, it's so much mm-hmm. worse. But it's like, God, no, God doesn't hate you. It's just that you can't ever fall in love. Yeah, God doesn't exactly. hate you. It's just, you know, God doesn't think you're you're bad. It's just that the way that you are wired uh, to present and like, you know, your desire to present the gender that you are, um, if that doesn't line up with, you know, your anatomy, then yeah. no, then no. Oh and it's like, but the thing is just like, I feel like evangelicals, like, I mean, if anything, 2020 and like the beginning of 2021 has shown People live on, like, there is a, I honestly think there's two different planes of reality, like, smashing up against each other. Yes. Where it's like, there is a whole, and this is something I wonder, like, I know, like, my older brother, but he doesn't listen to any of my shit, so, like, I'm not worried. But Patrick, if you are listening, I love you, and maybe we should talk. But, (laughs) and this is how an Enneagram 8 deals with conflict. (laughs) Just petty. Sorry. Um. But so so it got so surprisingly, I was worried about it having mm-hmm. this extreme negative reaction among evangelical circles, and instead, it had this positive reaction. All these mm. commenters being like, "You can like," it, I felt like they smelled like the saved soul blood in the water, and like we're just mm-hmm. like, no, like like they took that little bit of doubt, and we're just like, no, come to over to the side, like you can. We can help assuage your doubts. We can help. We can work on that. Yeah, exactly. And so, and there was also a lot of queer people that responded, but I was I was really kind of disconcerted by the response from evangelicals, which I was not expecting. Because like they didn't actually. It sounds like they didn't read the article. 
Yeah, or, well, they read it, but they read the parts that they wanted to and then had selective interpretation, which is, you know, what evangelicals love. They like to do, whether it's a Bible, (laughs) news article, history book. Yeah, I'll read it in the way I want to, regardless of what's actually being said. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but actually someone emailed me after that and was like, hey, I actually go to this church called New Abbey, Mm -hmm. which is the complete opposite it's this yeah hashtag thing. non-spawn yeah ex- it's truly non-spawn like i'm not out here trying to evangelize it. whatever but i would spawn but, for them <laughs> um but yeah and then i went it was just the opposite it was like it was like it was finally a place where it was like there this is a real queer community led in mm-hmm. part by you know a queer woman and you know there is so much healing that's happening here and there was so much beauty that's happening um and so that really finally it was like, okay, I found a place where I can reclaim my spirituality. And then all of that kind of got filtered, like I was saying, into this, this book mm-hmm. and it's kind of why I wanted to have a protagonist that was on that, that spiritual journey while, mm-hmm. you know, all of the trauma, the very real horrific spiritual trauma intersects and makes him mm-hmm. vulnerable to other sorts of traumas. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's kind of like the book opens with like, you know, again, no spoilers, but there is a big trial surrounding an assault. And something I know that is interesting, well, you know, a little anecdote for me. So I was assaulted when I was in high school and never told anybody because I didn't think it was possible for boys to get assaulted, you know, because yeah. no one gave me the language. Um, and... So getting to read that and seeing how the character reacted in the way that they did, I was I did that too. How interesting. And it really does, you know, bring a whole nother conversation. Cause like, I think it really is powerful to see or to read about or to see a character that is a male identified person who's been violent. I don't say it's powerful to see it, but just like, it is a story that has happened, is happening, and does not get talked about near enough because of the the gender binary saying that this only happens to women. Yeah, and that was a huge part of why I wanted to have, you know, I mean, I think it's important for all queer people to be you mm-hmm. know, included in the Me Too conversation. This book obviously deals with gay men, but I, I also agree. I think that in gay culture, especially it's just there is this Mm. oh well we're all horny and we're all men so Mm. this doesn't happen do you know what i mean like there is i think a a fiction about gay men that prevents us i think within our own community from acknowledging you know assault and rape but then i also think from without the lack of representation also it's what you're saying. It's like, well, you don't hear about this. You mm-hmm. don't hear, this isn't a part of a lot of the dialogues that are mm-hmm. happening around Me Too. And I think that not only is that, you know, damaging for victims, but it's also, you know, in terms of the larger cultural, you know, perception, it makes, if you have been victimized, it makes you more vulnerable because people are less likely to mm-hmm. believe. Because it, you don't fit this idea of the perfect victim or our mm-hmm. idea of, you know, victims and what victims look like and how they, you know, 
how they look and how they behave in culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you don't fit that idea, it, it leaves you even more vulnerable because there are less people that are willing to advocate for you. I mean, a huge part of, you know, my research in this book was looking into the Brian Singer mm-hmm. um, allegations. Brian Singer is a famous filmmaker in Hollywood. He did a ton of the X-Men movies. He had these allegations that were surrounding him for years about multiple often underage boys had come forward Mm -hmm. um, with accusations of sexual abuse and assault. He had such heavy legal machinery. He has millions and millions of dollars. Mm. And every time he was able to kind of swat away stories and just keep working in the industry. And it's interesting. I mean, finally, in 2019, there was this article in the... Atlantic, which kind of put everything together and kind of finally basically stopped him from working ever again. Um, he's still completely free, has paid, I think, negligible amounts of settlements. I mean, obviously, the drops you know, in the buckets. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, but there was there's an article about the publication of that article in which it was originally supposed to be at another publication. It was, it was in the Atlantic, but it was supposed to be in Esquire. And Esquire shut it down, even though it was meticulously reported by two seasoned journalists who had done like multiple corroborations of every single testimony in this story, huh. just because the woman who is ahead of Hearst Publications didn't believe them because they were drug addicts or because they had, some of them had grown up and now had criminal records because, you know, she just didn't believe them despite the fact that it had been meticulously. So it's like the more you're pushed to the margins of society, whether it's because you're queer, Mm -hmm. disabled, black, Asian, the more you're pushed to the margins of society, the more people are going to discount Mm-hmm. your story and the more vulnerable you become which yes. I think is why it is so important to have more representation <sighs> more intersectional representation in the me too conversation because we need to be able to see everyone as a potential victim so the society mm-hmm. is less likely to just dismiss them based on prejudice and bias about yeah. who victims are yeah because again like you look at me as like you know, the 16 year old goth kid I was like, I'm not like who would want, I was, you know, a vulnerable little kid. Yeah. And, you know, like like, I I even told myself like no one would believe me anyways because of the person he was and because of the person I was. And so it's like the system worked exactly as it was supposed to for me, you know? I'm so sorry. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, I don't find, I don't have, that's why like, I, I, I don't often talk about it because it's, it is one of those things where it feels like I don't have, uh, I don't want to say that I don't have the space for it, but it's in some ways, I guess, like maybe that's why I don't bring it up as often and maybe I should, I don't know because like it, it happened and they got away with it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And doesn't have to be that way. Especially like, I think there's like the thing this brings to mind for me, I was thinking about 
a lot about how like especially within like queer relationship dynamics we don't talk about power a whole lot or who has power um or how power is distributed within relationship structures yeah um, especially like you know like you come out like you know you're a young buck out in the queer world and there's like you know abused and damaged dudes who are older than you who are just going to continue to exact you know their generational curses on you if you will yeah and i think that's another thing that i wanted to explore in this i mean is that that relationship i mean the protagonist you know starts out this young aspiring writer in new york city he is broke waiting tables you know he meets a much older wealthy famous writer and he starts he starts kind of you know almost in a calculated way to meet him and get into this relationship with him because he thinks it's going to answer all of his prayers there hmm. you can we just like have a can we just have like a moment of silence for all of the gay like the baby gay christians who came out and thought that their first relationship was going to be the answer to your prayers <laughs> because hello somebody aka me anyways not that i related too hard to your story <laughs> but keep going sorry but, uh, but i do think i mean what you're talking about these these power dynamics i, I wanted to kind of portray that that imbalance you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah like, of of this person who has you know and i allude to this in the book this older person has their own baggage they haven't fucking dealt with and they enact it in horrific and traumatic ways on someone who is much more vulnerable and someone who can be controlled and you know, so it starts off as this, like, this dreamy kind of mm-hmm. Cinderella romance in our, you know, protagonist's eyes, but then quickly turns abusive. And mm-hmm. because of the power dynamic and because of the gaslighting that happens, you know, the protagonist just even questions, well, is this really even abuse? Like, oh, yeah. am I in an abusive relationship? And then when more abuse starts happening, you know, the justifications mm-hmm. start rolling in of why he should stay in this abusive relationship. Also because he doesn't have a strong support system due to, you know, his evangelical background, due to his lack of mm-hmm. money, due to his lack of, you know, a real friend network in mm-hmm. the he lives. So, you know, I, I wanted to kind of explore the way that those intersecting, um, vulnerabilities can leave someone vulnerable to abuse and and also paint a picture of a situation where it's like so so many times even now you hear like well why didn't you just leave why would you stay in that relationship and so i wanted to embody Mm -hmm. the experience of someone who really couldn't leave who really was trapped to answer that kind of prejudice question with i've just like it's like girl when you traumatize you don't fucking know what's going on yeah. And like, I, you're like, you, and that's the thing about like, you know, when there's power problems in relationships and like when abuse occurs is that oftentimes like you don't know it's happening because like at first it happens in small sneaky ways. It's almost just like they build up your tolerance to abuse until like it gets so egregious that you're just, you know, holding on for bare life for dear life thinking that you don't have an option. Yeah, I mean, it's, and and this is the person that I love. Mm. How could this person... They would never hurt me. Yeah, hurt me, so... Layers on layers. So yeah, if you're wanting to read the book, uh, 
trigger warning a lot of shit in there <laughs> and also yeah it's so good it's delicious oh. it's like thrilling and also like heartfelt and also like oh just delicious and also i don't think we ever like said the title the title of the book is yes daddy it is yes. and it's it's so so good so yes daddy is available may 18th wherever fine books are sold correct yes it is available may 18th wherever fine queer books are sold and um what about you where are you on the internet how can people talk to you be friends with you ask you questions etc i am on the internet exclusively on instagram um, good for you i mean she had to cull down her social media profiles um, but yeah, I'm exclusively on Instagram, uh, JP Rampage, actually. I took the pun you suggested at the beginning of our, our talk. And is that why I thought your last name was Rampage? It, it probably is. And I think okay, this makes so much sense now. I'm not crazy. Here I am thinking that my dyslexia is fucking me up. And no, it's your fucking handle. Okay. All right. No, no, JP it's, Rampage. It's all, coming, it's all coming back. It's JP Rampage as if I am going on a rampage. Um, or J.P. Rampage, I, if you're French. Rampa <laughs> I'm going on a French rampage, honey. Um, Je suis la jeune vie, and I'm very mad. <laughs> um, That was my conversation with Jonathan Parks Ram Page, aka Jonathan Parks Ramage, but you can follow him on social media at JP Rampage on Instagram. The book is called Yes Daddy. It's going to be available May 18th, wherever fine books are sold all over the internet. I've read it, I've enjoyed it. I don't actually read a whole lot of fiction books um, because that's just like how my brain works. I live, I live in a fantasy, I don't need to read about it. Just kidding. Um, but this book is so good. It covers a lot of ground. It's a thriller. It's queer. It's Southern. It's yummy. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So please go pick up Yes Daddy everywhere. Um, like I said at the top of the show, pick up some new merch. It's available at thekevingarcia.com. And if this show was important for you, if you liked it and you want to support more things like it, you actually can get some sweet perks by going to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia. That's the place where I'm going to be posting tickets early for my tour. It's where I'm posting discount codes for my merch. It's where I'm posting offerings and meditations. So if you're trying to get into a new kind of spirituality that maybe looks familiar, but is still like, you know, new and fresh, like new wine, new wineskins, baby, please get over to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia and become a part of the fun. It's going to be great. Uh, that is all for me. On that end, tours coming up. Just get on my social media, follow me across there. And please, if you like the show, please also rate it. Like, stop for a second, go to the podcast store or where podcast store, go to the Apple Podcast, leave a five star review. It really does help. And share this podcast with on your social media feeds, on your Twitter and Instagram. On, on Spotify, there's actually a way to share to your, like you just click the share button and you can click Facebook or Twitter and it will generate the tweet for you. It's very simple. And sharing it with people out there is the best way to help us out on the show. Um, and last thing before I go, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been supporting me these past few months. Like 
I feel like there's just been an incredible amount of uh, growth, for, like in the following way and also personal growth and just the way that the world is opening up for me. And it has all to do with you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for following me. Thank you for throwing me coins when you can. And this has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin Garcia. And so until next time, take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, um, eat something delicious, move your body in a way that feels really good. And if you have a little animal friend, maybe spend some time just cuddling with them. I think that would feel nice. I'm going to go do that right now. (laughs) All right. I love you. Have a great week. Bye.